0: Welcome to Path. I'm Fritz Coleman.
1: And I am Louise Palenker.
0: Here at MediaPath, we like to save you time by curating content to cater to your curiosities, because we know You can't do everything, everywhere, all at once. (laughs) We also find interesting guests like David Milburn, who's produced a very touching documentary called 100 Years of Men in Love, An Accidental Collection. This is a collection of photographs, some dating back to the mid-1800s, showing men in romantic situations. It took a great deal of courage to pose for these pictures, a great deal of courage to photograph these pictures. They are not prurient. This isn't the maple... Thorpe collection. These are photographs of men brave enough to publicly profess their love for one another and even braver to be photographed doing it at times when gay relationships were often outlawed. David will be with us shortly. Weezy?
1: Oh, I was watching Shrinking... On Apple TV, have you seen this one? I haven't yet? seen that okay, yet. Okay, I'm going to recommend it. In Shrieking, Jason Segel plays Jimmy, a recently widowed therapist who is struggling unsuccessfully to mourn the loss of his wife while parenting his 17-year-old daughter. Jimmy is drowning in alcohol, hookers, despair, and a devastated kid who won't talk to him. So with zero funks left to give, he lays waste to conventional therapy guidelines and boundaries and starts serving up brutal honesty to his patients and also entwining himself into their lives. The show features Harrison Ford and Jessica Williams as fellow therapists, and Jimmy's neighbors and friends are played by Krista Miller— Michael Bree and Ted McGinley. Luke Tennis is a military vet seeking trauma relief who Jimmy helps with martial arts classes and a room in his house. Jimmy's daughter is played by Lukita Maxwell. This is an ensemble piece that is emotionally gripping while being almost more comedy than drama. The dialogue and the overlapping relationships are sharp and rich with warmth and an edgy wit. The tone of the show is irresistibly flip and funny. And the opening sequence of the first episode had me screaming with joy. It is that good. Shrinking comes to us from much of the same team that creates Ted Lasso, and so it is loaded with heart, and it is laugh-out-loud funny. You do need to know, Fritz, that Harrison Ford is this hilarious. It's important. You know, I learned how funny
0: he is the other day when he was on with Stephen Colbert. He's so dry and deadpan and old that, and, and I, I can only say that because I'm come, I'm a similar demographic, but he was hysterical on the Stephen Colbert show. He well, is. good. I'm, I'm glad it's doing well. Well, since documentary films are our guest topic today, I thought I'd share one of what I think is the most profound and heartbreaking documentaries I've ever seen. It's called Country Boys by acclaimed director David Sutherland. It was first a six-hour, three-part special on PBS Frontline. Now it's streaming on Prime. David Sutherland is a master of rural themes. He did The Farmer's Wife, which was beautiful and won many awards. This story is about two boys coming of age in the Appalachian town in East Kentucky of David, Kentucky. The boys are Cody Perkins and Chris Johnson. It follows their development into manhood between the ages of 15 and 18. What these boys have in common is... The Universe of Appalachian Poverty. And they both go to the same alternative high school. This is a school that caters to kids from special circumstances like abject poverty or learning challenges. Beyond that, their paths diverge completely. Cody's life doesn't even seem real. His biological mother committed suicide when he was five months old. His father shot his stepmother, who was a stripper, and then killed himself. He lives with His one island of sanity, his step-grandmother. Cody's grandmother's stability and his born-again Christian faith are honestly what saves him. The other boy, Chris, lives in a dilapidated trailer with a helplessly alcoholic father and whose mother has abandoned the family to move in with her new boyfriend. Chris is left to raise himself. Chris's circumstances are so challenging, you feel almost claustrophobic. And what is frustrating is there is such raw intelligence in this kid and raw brilliance that... you, your heart aches for him, but he's kept from success by his relentless family challenges and his own self-doubt. I know it sounds depressing, but it's instructive. This film is about the never-ending, seemingly incurable cycle of poverty in Appalachia. It's about the gun culture. It's about religion. It's about science in high school. There's a really interesting discussion in a class, a biology class, about evolution. And you, you harken back to the Scopes Monkey Trial. I mean, it's that Interesting. So the thing that makes the movie universal is teenage awkwardness, self-doubt. The faculty and the staff at this alternative high school were amazing. The love and support they show the students, always patient, never judging, is heroic. Their teachers literally will them to succeed. It's called Country Boys, streaming on Prime. It's not happy, but it's so interesting.
1: I watched uh, the first episode, and I... I I know it's about Appalachian. It's about poverty. It's about cycle of poverty within families. But it's also really just about any of us figuring out that we can succeed. Absolutely. And allowing ourselves to succeed and not getting in our own way. It felt like Chris was always choosing family over accomplishment outside of family because that seemed safer and easier and more familiar. So when he decides he wants to do a newspaper, which he sees as a quiet and contemplative task. It turns out it's vast and multifaceted, requiring leadership, which Chris yet doesn't possess. So he quickly felt that he was shouldering a boulder. He wanted that feeling gone. And so the day before Christmas break, when he needed to collect all his articles from his fellow students, he, did, he ditched school. Boulder gone. Christmas break. Burden free. He returns to school after break. The boulder is there. It's bigger than ever. Now the articles are out of date and they're no longer news. This is how young people either learn from experiences or become increasingly overwhelmed to where their every thought is consumed by what they have not yet accomplished. And he'll take the hard work of physically moving his family from one trailer to another over mastering the confusing organizational workflow concepts required to create a newsletter. And it's just so much about adolescence everywhere.
0: That's what makes it a universal experience. And and what was really interesting to me was I just felt for his fear of failure. Mm -hmm. I, I was racked with a fear of failure. And wasn't he brilliant? I just thought this kid had so much potential. He was three times as smart as everybody else in his family. And it was a real tragedy that he just couldn't pull himself out of it. Anyway.
1: Yeah, very uh, I, captivating kids. I'm glad right? you're watching. It's, yeah. a, it's
0: a brilliant film. All right, let's get to our guest, David Milburn. David has done a very touching documentary called 100 Years of Men in Love, an accidental collection. It's a collection of photographs from 1850 to 1950 of men in romantic relationships. It's called Accidental Collection because the two men who gathered these photographs just sort of started it unintentionally and it grew from there. Hugh Nini and Neil Treadwell stumbled across some of the initial photographs by happenstance and it went on from there. David, welcome, and I, I just wanna tell people that I, I don't know what uh, w- we've sold it like, but it's not salacious or pornographic in any way. It's quite beautiful and profound. There are some of the, uh, the, the pictures.
2: Well, thank you, Fritz, and thank you, Louise. It, it is about love, and love matters. Love mattered in 1859. It mattered in 1959, which is the uh, breath of this uh, documentary, and it matters now. We actually stand on the shoulders of who, who these people were back in the day that had the, the courage and were brave enough to capture their love on camera. And I always think that, well, maybe they're looking down on us thinking, you know, you know what? Yes. Yes. Our love mattered then. We captured it. And it matters now because it's
0: a call to action. It's a mm-hmm. call to action to be bold, love who you want to love, and take a picture of it. And 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 a brilliant thing that was uh, noted uh, in sort of is the written introduction to this film is that because... All the LGBTQ rights now and and gay marriage, it seems very current to us, but it's not current. These types of relationships have been going on forever, and this just sort of broadens it out to represent all of history, which is really eye-opening. These are essentially like pre-selfie selfies of men in romantic relationships at a time posing as couples, when some of these relationships were illegal. Talk, uh, if you would, David, about Hugh and Neil and how they started the collection. There's a great story about uh, no, the, it, the church.
2: It, it, they, they found one, and they thought that they'd never find another one. And then they found, uh, a few months later, they found another one. And 3,700 pictures later, they said, this is something, we have found something. And it hits a personal note for me, because when I was seven years old, Growing up in Indiana, uh, I was going through my parents' old boxes of photos, and this is a tin type uh, with two handsome men uh, uh, with their legs crossed towards each other, their uh, shoulders touching. They're holding a placard together that says Bourbon, Indiana Fair, 1908. Wow. Well, uh, my dad was born in Bourbon, Indiana, in 1926. So when I came across this picture as a seven-year-old boy, I said, Mom, Dad, what, what is this? And they go, oh, that's your great-great-great-uncle and his friend, you know, <laughs> in 1908. 19- well, it always held such wonderment to me. And then I came across Neil and, and Hugh's collection, and bingo, it suddenly made sense to me. I had already won an Emmy at that point. I pulled him up. I said, you know what? I think you're 3,700 collection of photos would make a, a beautiful TV special. And they just said, here you go, you got wow. it. Who it's... are these two guys?
0: They're just civilians, they're just people they in
2: One's a ballet uh, dancer and the other one is, a, I believe, a salesman for cosmetics. This was their hobby
0: mm.
2: and it became so personal to them. And this picture of my family made it personal to me. So it was a match made in heaven, they said, here you go, and I hold down these photos to 350 that are in the TV special. Well, but- it's
1: it's 100 love stories in one movie because mm-hmm. you become personally involved with every photograph and you. you have a thousand questions that you're not gonna get to ask. I felt like the the photos perhaps wind up in antique stores because before gay families were legal, they weren't handed down to anybody. Yeah. and so they were found when a house turned over or, or what have you and what you did was you gave them life you gave that you gave their relationship the meaning that it it always deserved
2: thank you i, I they were found in shoeboxes. in uh some of them were creased and folded up into wallets others were like a pristine condition as if they were on a mantle and revered uh, but what is uh, consistent through all of them is the love you know, the film has won 23 film festivals and I and I stand sometimes in the back of, of hundreds of people watching the film and I feel them like 10 minutes into it. They kind of go en mass It's kind of like, oh,
0: mm-hmm. nice.
2: understand what this is. This is a journey. Mm-hmm. This is a journey of history. This is a journey of love. And I am what I want to participate. It's an immersive art piece. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's,
0: and, and I will tell you, uh, I think what gives the film its power is it comes from the Ken Burns school of cinematography, which is still pictures are often even more intense and powerful than uh, moving pictures.
2: Chris, you're so right. In fact, there was one critic that said it's very Ken Burns-esque. Mm-hmm. I linger on these photos and mm-hmm. combine it with music and and uh, quotation love. Love quotations from uh, famous gay authors, and we get to investigate and and fantasize about that time, fantasize about the two individuals, and we get to explore in our own mind what love means. I have uh, these film festivals, like they say. I have uh, a women come up to me and say, "David, such a beautiful film, such a beautiful new film." I wish to God there was some man in my life that never looked like that into my
0: eyes. (laughs) Well, it's interesting that you bring up the eye thing because both of the two gentlemen uh, said that that is what the giveaway is. Instead of it just being two friends in a photograph, they looked into the eyes of one or both and saw the love and you could read that it was a relationship.
2: Right. And then we move on to body parts touching and then uh, uh, feeling comfortable clothed in bed together. And then the ultimate, uh, the kiss, that's kind of the journey of the film. But uh, I I have to tell you, you know, you mentioned a selfie in the TV special. We feel that we've captured the first selfie. There's a picture of two gentlemen with their arms around each other. And uh, they have a camera and a device and they're shooting into the mirror. And we call it You know the first selfie ever ever captured, which was pretty amazing.
1: Yeah. Now let's talk about the umbrellas. Where you found them in a lot of the photographs? Were they used in photos of heterosexual couples in that time period? First of all, explain them, and then and then go ahead and talk about it. Well,
2: through our research, we found that there was a whole series in the late 1800s, early 1900s with men holding umbrellas. uh, And if you think about that for a minute. First of all, they're holding the handle, their ha- hands are touching. An umbrella creates a canopy so that no eyes can kind of come in and see what's going on from the outside. So over and over again, we see these pictures of men with umbrellas. They felt safe there. We feel that the umbrella during that time period was kind of the rainbow flag of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 really true because we found so many photos with the umbrella
1: well it signifies it's, it's like a hupa in jewish tradition it signifies a house you're creating a <laughs> dwelling in which in which you, you are yeah. united
2: and we have a whole series of photo booths i mean what's special about a photo booth well guess what you get to go in there privacy with your, mm-hmm. you get to close that curtain mm-hmm. uh there's no photographer there's no um, uh developer those photos, you can be as intimate as you want. Those photos spit out, and they come right into your hand, providing again safety, providing an opportunity to capture the the intimacy between the two of them, the love that's there, and they're theirs for them to keep forever. Um, many many themes throughout this TV special, uh, and and I, I like I said, I feel like these men, as you say, Fritz, they could have been imprisoned. Lose their livelihood yet. They said our love matters and we're going to capture it. Uh,
0: Let me ask you this I I think uh, this is a guess on my part. We may never know uh, But I I think like wheezy had pointed out these guys had a photo taken of themselves so that their Relationship wasn't supposed to be public, but it would go down in the posterity of the family So people would understand who they were It wasn't for a lot of people to see it was just for families and and people they cared about to see could they be arrested for having posed for those pictures? And could the person who took the picture be arrested? Was all that illegal at the time?
2: I, I believe that, that certainly they would have been uh, um, pointed out as deviants, mm-hmm. you know, ruin their livelihoods and, and, and uh, probably uh, banned from their communities. You know, you mentioned um, uh, the, the uh, leaving these photos to your family. Uh, one of my favorite photos in, in the TV special is a horse drawn carriage and there's a man uh, with his arm around another handsome man sitting in that carriage. They're both smoking cigars. And in the back, on the back of that photo, it says it's it's written. Here's a little glimpse into a part of my life you may not know
0: about. Perfect.
1: And also, I think in a lot of cases, the photos were just for them. And they may have put them in a drawer when family came over. That was just for them.
2: Mm -hmm. One of the other things I did in the film to make these films come uh, these pictures come alive, like I said, some of them had writing on the back. So I narrate what's Mm -hmm. what's on the back, and that's another key to to uh, the world that these men were living in. Uh, And some of them are funny. There's one picture uh, from 1958, and do you remember how they used to colorize pictures in the 50s? Well, we have this picture in the TV special, and there are two older men, and on the back of that photo, and they're sitting in a living room together, side by side, and on the back of that, it writes, um, here's a picture of your Uncle Bob and Bill. Bill (laughs) Bill rides horses. He rode horses in parades. Your dad says that they're both queer as ducks.
1: Oh, Oh my gosh.
2: So so sometimes what's written on the back of that photo is not written by the people in the photo.
0: It it describes their relationship and then how their whole world reacted to them, which is all in one sentence. As a matter (laughs) of fact, the writing is really ironic. At one point, there was one photographer that apparently took photos of newly engaged people and they had this a couple of men hold up a sign and the sign said, not married, but wishing to be, which I love. It was designed for like the bride to be, to hold that up. And it was just to be, to be cute, but it had so much more impact when one of the men held it up.
2: Well, and, and, and we look at the scope here, you know, uh, those two gentlemen, and they're like 18 and 19, that was a prop that you used to pick up on your way to have be, have your photo taken. And they had the the courage to say, you know what. Not married, but willing to be, because it's normally held by a young woman and a young man. But when we look at the scope of this uh, special, you know, today, 74 percent of Americans believe that same-sex marriage should be a guaranteed right. Mm-hmm. When, when did 74 percent of Americans ever agree on anything?
1: Well, what we're what we're all finding exactly. out is that there's gay people in all of our families mm-hmm. and who who cares so we it, it, when people were closeted you it's like with trans issues that, that were that, that happened within the last 10 years our awareness of how many people there are but like when when being closeted was no longer essential to maintain work We found out how many there are. There's so many. Everybody's, it's it's just so common. Like who cares? You know, it just becomes like a non-issue. But then you look at these guys throughout history, and and you just kind of suffer for them that they had. I had an uncle who lived gay and died closeted, and. We know, but he never spoke of it, which means I never knew who he loved. I never knew who loved him. I never knew all that part of his life. I knew the part of himself that he shared with his nieces and nephews. And it makes me cry Mm -hmm. because it's not okay for him to have to live that way. But he worked at JPL. And if he if it were revealed in a government job that that you're homosexual, there goes your your livelihood. Mm -hmm.
2: It's like what's written on that photo on the TV special. Here's a glimpse of a little part of my life you didn't know about. These people are speaking from the beyond. And the fact that these photos were, were rescued and were collected by Hugh and Neil and now put in, in our TV special, uh, it really gives a, a whole new uh, life to their love. And as I say, I think the film is a call to action. I think it's a call to action to be bold, I think it's called, I know that for myself, having uh, directed and produced and written this film, when I take a picture now, it really means something more to me. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, where will this picture be, you know, in hundred
0: I'll tell you some of the most profound pictures were the ones of men in military uniform, because that had a whole different set of uh of, uh, consequences were they to be discovered? It wasn't the don't ask the hotel issue back then. It was, we don't care what you say you're out. And so you had men that were in both in uniform. You had one guy in a uniform and one guy, not, you had two guys that posed in a barracks on in a, in an intimate position on their bed. And I thought, wow, that took guts. It, it really, I can't imagine.
2: And they had this, um, um, uh, Neil and Hugh found these pictures this one military couple uh, they were both part of the 42nd Infantry in World War II uh, and their d- their division was called the Rainbow Division, you can't make this stuff up Unbelievable, the yeah Rainbow <laughs> Division, 42nd Infantry and they uh, helped liberate Dachau and after they did that they went up in the Swiss Alps and they took these most romantic pictures of them in the snow by a lake uh... they exchange rings and uh, this is our only living connection uh... to anybody in the tv special the nephew of one of those two soldiers in world war II still wears that ring today of his his uncle uh... and he tells a story that he would go over to his uncle's house and his, his uncle would pull down a shoebox from an up closet on a shelf in the closet and show the pictures of he and his lover during World War II, and that nephew to this day still wears that ring. That's her only connection uh, to war. That what? brings
0: to mind another question: Has anyone seen this piece and reached out to you because they recognize a family member or somebody they knew?
2: No, and I, and I wish they that, that I wish that would happen, but that hasn't happened to date. Um, I think it uh, will
1: happen. Uh, I was wondering, it's interesting that the photos contain mostly young men and if it makes me and then, of course, that makes me wonder if they could find reasons to be together in their youth because they're in service or because they're roommates or, but as they grew older, did, 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 they, did society steer them into a heterosexual uh, type of life or the life of a confirmed bachelor or, you know, the, the allowance of society for this picture to take place happened because they were young guys together?
2: Well, that's very interesting because I know uh, 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 as technology develops now and we all have to adapt to new technology, you have to remember that this TV special is also a history of photography. So Mm who adapts new technology more quickly than all of us are young people. Okay. And young people are the ones taking these pictures. Although we do have several middle-aged couples. We do have uh, a few older couples too. But uh, young people adapt new technology a lot quicker than than uh, uh, others of us. But mm-hmm. uh, I think that that may play into that, Louise.
0: Speaking of technology, there's some beautiful thumb uh, scale uh, tintypes in there, just like an inch wide, which were quite beautiful. And I'm sure difficult to blow up so you could see them.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's all difficult. But I, I wanted, and I'm so proud that... Um, the Palm Springs Art Museum is doing a, um, a evening dedicated this film as a fundraiser for the art museum. And when they contacted me, I was like, "Yes, uh-huh. you get it. It is an art installation. Yes, it's a TV special. Yes, it's 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 uh, 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 everything a TV special is and and more. But at the end of the day, it is an art installation. You get to sit there." And look at the art of photography throughout the ages. So mm-hmm. I was very pleased with that. And it's also been installed in the uh, Hollywood Museum here at uh, um, uh, Hollywood and and uh, Highland uh, uh, for a year.
1: Oh wow! So between eighteen the eighteen nineties and the late eighteen twenties, there there was a. It seems to be that there was a more open attitude around gay couples, as there probably has been in cycles throughout history right or depending on the location on the globe so um but for us in america that corresponds with what we came to call the gay 90s and the roaring 20s uh so do you think that that those were periods where people were just more comfortable with everyone being themselves and then things tighten up again or religion comes back into the forefront or
2: yeah i think that uh, the mccarthyism in the 50s kind of shut things down a bit and uh well, there was a uh, yeah. lavender
1: scare because a lot of gay folks had found work after after World War II in Washington because they were quite talented, and then I, all of a sudden that they, they were being—I mean, I—you could talk more about it that, than I—but uh, they were hounded and uh, driven out of their jobs and terrified.
2: I, I hope you know I don't know we weren't there obviously in the twenties and thirties, but I, I hope that things were free and open and these people were able to to freely take pictures. Uh, And I'm glad these pictures survived. But I think during the 50s, things clamped down a bit. And it wasn't until, you know, actually, uh, and this is going uh, into history about another documentary I I, I created, A Long Road to Freedom, The Advocate Celebrates 50 Years, I didn't really realize where this free law all came from. But it was birth control. It was uh, from the heterosexual community when birth control came in and and heterosexuals could be free love and this and that well the gay population the lgbtq population came in on uh with that Said, okay well if heterosexuals are doing that we could do that and that's where the the free love of the 60s and 70s came about until of course the pandemic that a lot of people don't mention anymore was the aids pandemic in in the uh late 70s early early 80s.
0: Kind of a follow-up to your question, Wheezy, uh, David, was homosexuality accepted in Europe uh, more than the United States in the early 1900s? And second of all, are all of your subjects American couples?
2: Uh, no, we do have uh, European, The uh, Neil and Hugh, uh, collected in Europe as well, but uh, uh, it reminds me of what uh um, oh, Marlena Dietrich said, remember, they uh, they ask her, uh, Marlena, are you a lesbian? She goes, darling, I'm European.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. I, I
2: think that the uh, the closeness, the uh, uh, there's just a, a, a geographical uh, closeness uh, with Europeans more so than Americans, the Puritanical Americans. But um, I don't know about that. Um, certainly, uh, they say that 10% of uh, all population is, is uh, LGBTQ. And, and I think that that would not stop at the ocean.
1: I, I, would, I would tend to uh, agree. And it, it seems to me like when I have a gay brother, we both have gay brothers named Craig. Fritz is is a stepbrother. But um, every nationality, ethnicity raises you within it. You know some version of your identity from birth. But before the internet and representation gay kids grew up feeling isolated and terrified of their own nature and they had to find their culture, their community, their people. So for me, they've always felt stronger than mortal people <laughs> because they had to go they had to have those 15 years of terror, wondering if they were ever going to be okay, and right. then still maintain their humanity and then fi- go out and find their, their people.
0: Right. And, what... and their
1: pride in themselves. Yeah.
2: That's why I appreciate um, uh, TV networks like Here TV. Uh, Here TV's mandate is to provide positive role images to the LGBTQ community, and they are obviously funded a uh, hundred years of Men in and love the Accidental Collection. And I, I feel that by by films like this, by the work that Here TV does, we are able to to create these images. And they always say, you know. Uh, uh, pass the torch to to young people well if you pass the torch you're in the dark so i like to say we like to pass and ignite a torch Mm. We hold our own torch because that means that we're still working it and we're we're trying to to have um, uh, social justice for all. It's kind and of if, like
1: one of Joe Biden's uh, things that his dad would tell him or his mom. Like, Joey, you know, he would say, uh, keep the faith. And then he then someone would say, no, give it away. Yeah.
2: Uh- <laughs> we need to ignite the torches of our young people right. to say, what, carry it on. But um, uh, we have to keep the torch going on our own because we 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 there's more work to be done, as we know, with the trans issues and uh still discrimination throughout throughout our country.
0: Will you do one about lesbians?
2: Uh, you know, that, that's an interesting idea. That's an interesting idea. There again, um, I don't know if women were tech savvy in 1859. I think that women, you know, might have been, you know, pushed down. Mm-hmm. There are women in, in some of these pictures that we have in 100 years. Uh, they're kind of allies. If you remember the picture of, of uh, the four women right. uh, hovering on the beat, yeah. uh, of young men uh, kissing. But I have, um, a theory,
1: I have a theory about that. I, I think it was much more uh, acceptable for women to be in tight embraces. So there may actually be a lot more photographs that are difficult to discern what the nature of the relationship is
0: whole point. That's that that was my question and what was more socially acceptable probably the women in intimate situations oh, yeah. I mean, than men.
1: Yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. I mean cuz sisters embrace that way and best friends embrace let's look at two women that haven't seen each other in 5 minutes start screaming and running into each other's arms, you know. It's women are it, it's just that's throughout history. That's just been women being ourselves, you know.
2: Women are earth mothers. Women are, are, are can can embrace can walk down the street uh, walking. hands. So I remember years ago, I I did a film. I'm an actor, too. I did a film in uh, India uh, with Irfan Khan from Slumdog Millionaire and uh, Life of Pi. Wow. And I played the ugly American in this film. I was there for five months. And, you know, the, the Indian Film Society is it's, you know, they produce 900 films a year because they have so many different languages in the country of India. Oh. But I remember they had a driver for me and the driver would grab my hand to cross the street. Oh, a man <laughs> would grab my hand to cross the street. And then when we'd get back onto the sidewalk, he wouldn't drop. We wouldn't drop hands. And in India. That's acceptable.
1: That's I think it's because the streets in India are really scary. <laughs> and he didn't want to lose you. <laughs> but, was, but what a lovely
0: gesture. A
2: lovely yeah.
1: protective
0: gesture.
2: Yeah. When, when I uh, did the same thing with my female um, American co- co- co-star, who played my girlfriend in the film, we would walk down the street and I would hold her hand mm-hmm. and, and guide her. And boy, the looks that we got. That was... why. That was, I mean, it was just a 180 degrees... Different than what we experience here in the United oh, States. Oh, so that's
1: not, so a man and a woman wouldn't be holding hands in public?
2: No, no. But a man and a man could. It's just different.
1: Oh, it's, okay. Let's talk so, about
0: your uh, glistening uh, jewelry in back of you there. What are, what are those Emmy Awards for?
2: Well, I, I produce a show called Girls' Voices Now. And we give cameras to underrepresented little girls of 13 through 18. And we match them with female mentors who look like them. And we say, go shoot your stories. Go tell us about your lives. Uh they come back with these heartfelt stories that I, we learn about. I mean, uh um uh, one was called Under the Scarf, one of those Emmys from Under the Scarf was a Muslim girl who wore wore a Hajib and she knew why she did uh religiously. She knew all those reasons. But her story was how she was laughed at, made fun of. Mm. Uh, criticized for uh, wearing hajib. And I know that that evening when we accepted the award, she goes, oh, David, we'll never, you know, off camera, uh, we'll never win. We're up against Disney. We're up against Sesame Street. My story is so personal. I didn't even want to go on camera. And I said, Mehran, the
0: more personal. That's story, why you won. Yeah. That's, oh. The more personal story. Oh, boy. That's we all what a great idea! What, was there a common theme that you discovered in looking at all these kids' videos? Did they did they focus on similar themes in each of their lives?
2: They don't, uh, they, Fritz. They don't have a voice. They don't have a voice in this plane of existence. Yet, when we give them the cameras, they're let loose to tell their stories. And before we air them on here TV, we have a a, um, a premiere. And for all their friends and family, and we give them certificates, each and every one of them. And those smiles of those girls saying, oh, my God, my life does matter. Wow. I, I can have a story and I can have a voice. And if they go into show business or they don't, they know from that point on that they have the ability to voice their opinions and people will listen. because This, is kind, of,
1: this is kind of like what Joyce Chopra does. We had Joyce Chopra, she's one of the first female film directors on and she one of the things she does Mm -hmm. is go to go to different parts of the globe and give kids cameras
2: my next season there's there's one short one little girl uh did a a, um and i didn't know this term do you know what period poverty is
1: no no oh they don't have sanitary products
2: when the family is so poor and these girls are 13 through 18 that they can't afford feminine hygiene products wow wow When you think about that for a minute, how, you know, teenage years are so rough anyway, not to have the ability or the funds. It just takes your heart. I I, I, like I said, I'm learning from them as I'm learning from these men and these pictures to how 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 we should love and how, how we should be bold about our love.
0: And, and I think that your movie, we're talking about young people, would be very instructional to uh, like high school. kids. I was very proud of my daughter's high school. She went to a Catholic high school, but they had an LGBT uh, club there where there was, you know, support for one another. But how instructive it would be to play that film for kids who are just either coming out or discovering their sexuality and it almost gives them permission and shows them the continuity of their life throughout history. It would be almost as or more impactful showing it to younger audiences, teenagers or something.
2: Uh, I hope to do that. I hope to do that. I hope uh, I can uh, uh, offer that film up to, to, to young people. I yeah, think we because can it.
1: I don't know why it's still acceptable for, coaches to yell, you guys are running like a bunch of girls, or for boys to go, go to the F word as an insult when they know that some of their friends are gay or that they may be gay, or all this deflection that they do to take the attention off themselves to call someone else something. I just don't know why that's still a thing when we know that many people are LGBTQ. I, I just don't understand why that's the go-to insult and how to, how to turn that around.
2: I think, again, positive role images. I mean, to me, as a seven-year-old boy, that was a positive role image. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah. It's Tintai, mm-hmm. 18, 1908, of my family. In fact, at the end of the film, in the credits, I pay tribute to this picture and, and, and my family. Huh. Uh, but I think providing images, and as Chris, as you say, this film does provide those images in, in a, a way that's loving. Uh, and uh folks can consume and understand so i think that's a great idea i'm going i'm going to look into
0: that which which photographs move you the most did you have two or three that, that really stuck in your consciousness
2: i think that um i think the one with the the horse and carriage with with a here's a a little glimpse of a part of my life that you may not not know about mm-hmm. well, that's very touching that was somebody who was disclosing this is me Mm-hmm. This is who I am. This is who I love.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think the photo, um, not married but willing to be, is, is, is also to brave young people, brave young people putting it all on the line uh, to, to love who they want to love. And literally, we do stand on these shoulders. We stand on these shoulders. These people showed us the way. Um, and we need to act on that. We need to to show other people that that's the way it is. That and the the
1: photos, the fact that they exist, represents how undeniable love is. That it just it just must be acknowledged, even if it's in the form of a photo that sits in your wallet. It must be acknowledged because it's undeniable, and the photo resonates with the joy and the pride of not just love, but also identity. You know, this is me.
2: what wanted to make the film not just a montage of photos. Oh, it's
1: I mean, more than we, that. Yeah, We linger. Yeah.
2: Uh, and that's why I think it's being uh, called out as an art installation. We linger with incredible music and, and, and we can actually look and, and, and go inside the picture to see what these lives must have been like. And, and, uh, um, it's it's for me. It's just tasty. It's very personal, and I feel very honored that I was able to give these gentlemen their due.
0: So, what's the, it's streaming now? How long has it been streaming?
2: Um, we had a premiere uh, last March for the LGBTQ Center in uh, Hollywood, and Here TV bought out the entire theater and, and donated the money. Um, so, it's been on Here TV. Uh, which is on every cable and satellite system throughout the United States. And then Here TV is also on every streaming service throughout the United States. You can go to HEAR.TV, H-E-R-E.TV. H-E-R-E.tv. Uh, they put the picture, those folks over there, uh, realize how positive role and Im- role images really matter. And uh, that's where it's screening right now.
1: Tell us a little bit more about the programming that we'll find on Here TV we're thinking about signing up
2: they uh, they, uh, produce i mean they're like 700 different films on here tv uh they uh, aggregate and license the top european films the top art gay films they also produce um series and specials um girls voices now was one of them uh uh gods and monsters that's uh that's a little more of our salacious product that's a that's a series called Gogo. but if we look at that Go-Go um, uh, series,
0: uh, it is... I they a got f- that photograph of me when I was in college. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I
1: mean, there was...
0: How did they find that?
1: <clears throat> yeah. Th- that you would,
2: would uh, bring up Go-Go. Now, Go-Go is like, oh my God, salacious, this and that. No, Go-Go is a dark, dark uh, series based in... That's uh, Robert Pattison in a, a mm-hmm. film, Little Ashes. Um, Go-Go is a... A series based in the back rooms of a, a go dance club for go, for gay men to watch go-go boys, but the the go-go boys are from uh, dif- different ethnic backgrounds, and it's owned. The club is owned by a white guy, who makes them do things that that uh, you know that are not really cool. So they murder him. Oh. The Gogo Boys get together, and they, it's a dark, dark, dark... So it's dark. a
1: modern mutiny on the bounty. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So they kill the evil white club owner, and the go Boys aren't necessarily gay. They are just doing it because they want, Amer- they want their American dreams to come true. Okay. Hard-hitting kind of...
0: Well, what about humor? What about something like uh, Will and Grace or...
2: Well, they're, they're, I, mean, I mean... Out, mean... West. out west is... Uh, uh, Jennifer Lees Cox, uh, who played uh, Marsha in uh, uh, The Brady Bunch. Very funny, very funny, funny um, uh, film. Uh, Falling for Angels is a series that I produce where we look at the different communities. Each episode, Bel Air, Lemon Park, um, Silver Lake. We look at different uh, couples in all these different towns. But then on the sixth episode, they all come to a, a wedding in Malibu, and we realize that in the City of Angels, we all have our own communities. But when we come together, we can be a part of a shelter. Is one of the uh, the surfer movie right there? Mm. That one of the uh, they said that right after Brokeback Mountain, this is the number one gay film of all time, and we produce that. Here TV produced that. Paul oh. Col Collins- produce that oh, wow. so you produce
0: um um you you obviously produce content for them other than your own films they hire you to do whatever they need
2: yes yeah I cool. mean I, I I produce my own stuff but I also uh uh am head of content for here TV so I I get to know all their product and uh uh Paul kalgerman won the Oscar for gods and monsters Bill Condon mm-hmm. directed it in 1999 uh he's the CEO CFO, uh, CEO, I'm sorry, CEO of, of Here TV. He produced uh, Gods of Monsters, won the Academy Award, was up that was Serene McKellen and Brendan Fraser um, and uh, Lynn Radgrave, who won the Golden Globe. And then he also won the Oscar for Departures, 09 uh uh Best Born film from Japan. So Here TV's background is film, mm. so they understand film. So when you go to hear TV, you're not only seeing the best in LGBTQ, you're seeing great film work, as well.
0: What are you working on now? I, I...
2: I've got a kickboxer film that I've written. Yikes. And here's an interesting thing. It's called Big Rage. It's a regular kickboxer film. I mean, it's going to be a, a young, a young kickboxer teamed up with an older female kickboxer, and they go out and they fight crime. I mean, it's 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 uh, the Chinese are involved, this and that. The only thing is. Is our audiences will know that the person that we've cast as the, the, the young um, MFA fighter is actually gay in his real life. He's uh. got a, he looks like a swimming wear, a swimming suit model, which doesn't hurt. But our audiences, all our audiences will see is like, yeah, I don't, there's nothing gay about the kickboxer film. It's a regular kickboxer film. But our audiences will know that he's gay. They will know that, guess what? a gay guy who's married can be an action star in a kickboxing
1: right and also so was robin probably so (laughs) so you know what i think would be a cool project and i'm just i'm just brainstorming with you here david since we're sitting here talking but it'd be cool to go to go to go because we can't disprove it so to go into one of the photographs and then imagine the storyline that led up to the taking of that of that photograph
2: that's a great idea, you know, and I was given that uh, by a fellow producer of mine said, you know, David, why don't you go into the films and and exp- you know, kind of expand. There was out of 3,700 pictures. I just wanted to do an overall. Mm-hmm. So the overall message would be. This is where we're at, as opposed to uh, one story here, one story there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be a, a wonderful idea. I mean, it would be a wonderful expansion.
0: I'll tell you another uh, aspect I was moved and you don't have that many of them because probably many of them don't exist. But the pictures of African-American gay couples, because of the double and triple stigma of gayness in the black community, it was even braver for those guys to be photographed together.
2: And, and when I went to Neil and Hugh, I, I, you know, I said, give me everything you got. Give me everything you got out of 3,700 pictures. They had 30
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then I learned that because photography was kind of an expensive sport, Interesting. an mm-hmm. expensive thing, mm-hmm. that that's one of the reasons why there aren't more African American pictures, because you kind of had to be wealthy to have that new technology you know, a new or, camera.
1: Or do you even have access to go, like a lot of your photos are from people making an appointment with the photographer in town and going in and just picking out an outfit and the prop and the, what they're going right. to hold up. And that was a, an expensive uh, expedition. So not Some everybody. wardrobe, Louise. Oh my God, the suits. <laughs> yeah. <in> the <laughs> oh my <like> God. That. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Nice looking clothes. I, I noticed that myself.
1: It's not always their clothes, is what I'm saying. the cufflinks
2: uh, yeah. back in the day was a, a, a way to signal that you were gay. You... Oh, <gasps>
0: really? that's interesting.
2: Cufflinks. I'm
0: glad oh. my father passed away before he found that out. Cufflinks was his favorite item. His I mean, there must session. have been.
1: There must have been like in terms of socialization. There must have been just house parties and uh, really wonderful house parties where. But there must have been ways of getting the word out. Like you hear about truck stops where you put a certain uh, handkerchief in your pocket. Uh, So there must have been
0: clubs There were speakeasies. But
1: throughout history, I think there were house parties. Well, let let David answer Mm -hmm. because I saw it in and with an E. Anyway, my point is (laughs) there must have been ways of like quietly letting other folks know that you might be open to, you know, a conversation about this type of thing.
2: I wish I'm like the curator of all things gay. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs)
1: David, you know, like, I don't know. (laughs) Uh,
2: uh, No, I've I've heard of the handkerchief thing. Uh, uh, You know, I've heard of, uh, well, James Whale, you know, Gods and Monsters was exposé James Whale's uh, career as a director of Frankenstein. Back in that day, they had uh, parties in the 20s and 30s where people would show up and they could be you know what they wanted to be palm springs used to be a getaway and still is to this day but Mm -hmm. but uh hollywood used to go to palm springs because it was only two and a half hours away and they could live their real lives
0: used to have the white parties down there the gay white parties where everybody had to wear all white it was like an it was like this blinding solar experience going down there (laughs) but probably fun
2: Hey, you know, you had to get back to the studio within two and a half hours if they called you, you know, (laughs) Uh, so Palm Springs was that kind
0: of getaway.
1: Right, right, right. Well, it's all it's just completely fascinating. And you've given you've given a gift to the world. It's a beautiful piece of work. David.
0: Thank
2: you so much. And and you know what? It's people like you that that uh, give us the opportunity to expand and, and tell the world about love is love. So you are allies, and I, I really, from the bottom of my heart, I just want to thank you guys for for, for uh, highlighting this film.
0: Absolutely. Well, it was quite moving. You know, we didn't know what to expect, and it was quite moving. The simplicity of it adds to how moving it was. It's, it's photographs and allows you to use your own imagination to sort of, like Weezy said, imagine the story that existed after and before those photos were taken. So it's a great piece of work. And I think everybody can learn and enjoy it. Learn from it and enjoy
1: it. Absolutely. So here come, can people find you online? Or is there something you would like folks to know about where to find you and where to find Here TV? Yeah, just go to
2: Here TV. Yeah. H- Dot
0: tv and,
2: and know that 100 Years of Men and Love is going to be on the daytime at, uh, ballot uh, for... Uh, oh, good
0: this. for you. We'll be rooting for Oh,
1: you. if you're an Academy member, please vote for this. Beautiful now, thing. is
0: there going to be or is there a coffee table book or just a, a, a printed collection? Of yeah. Hugh and,
1: and Hugh
2: put together a book called Loving, uh, which contains, uh, you know, more of their collection. Uh, but, uh, I, I, I cold from that 3,700 pictures, the, the pictures that I wanted to tell the story, mm-hmm. uh, but loving is certainly a beautiful coffee table book. Um, but people who know that book and also know the film, uh, obviously the film is much more experiential, uh, mm-hmm. because it's got all those things coming at you, the music, the gay authors, the, the reading of the, of the, uh, uh, what's on the back of each film. Mm-hmm.
1: So Yeah, absolutely. Well,
0: congratulations. Beautiful piece of work. Just, Thank you. Little, just Thank you so, so
1: important. Thank you so much. Here come our closing credits. Thank you so much for joining us. We would love to continue this conversation with you on Instagram and Twitter, where we are at Media Path Pod and on Facebook, where our show page is Media Path Podcast and our Facebook group is Media Path with Fritz and Wheezy Podcast Community. You can find full video podcast episodes loaded with bonus visual content on our YouTube channel, Media Path Podcast. You can write to us at MediaPathPodcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoy this show, please give us a nice rating in Apple Podcast. And tell your social media friends that we are with it, out of sight, and happening, and maybe even some more current terms for good. You can sign up for our saucy rag of a newsletter at mediapathpodcast.com We want to thank our guest, David Milburn. Our team includes Dina Friedman, John Maddox, Bill Filippiak, Thomas Hubble, Asa Brown, Garrett Arch, Nick Broussard, and you. Our theme music is by me and John Maddox. I am Louise Planker, here with Fritz Coleman. Be well and wise, and we will see you along the media path.